Is Blake Shapin the answer at quarterback for the Bears? This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Baylor. I'm Drake Toll with Sports Illustrated's Inside the Bears at Drake C. Toller at Inside the Bears on Twitter. Thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. I'll open today's show by saying Blake Shapin's the big topic. And typically the way this would go for me personally to welcome you into kind of how I like to do things is Monday's show is super emotional. I recorded yesterday the second I stepped off the plane and got back to my house. So I all had, I saw just a ton of these thoughts running through my mind. And I'm sitting on the plane, just looking at the people around me, thinking, you don't know. You don't know what it's like to lose at two o'clock in the morning in double overtime to BYU, just in my own sorrow and pity. And I get back and I, I kind of go on this scathing rant about Blake Shapin. I, I thought today I was going to start walking that back. But the more that I started to get some some texts and some feedback from folks about Shape and, and his play on Saturday, I realized truly I stand by the fact that he didn't have a very good game. The numbers show it too. 18 for 28 is not great. 137 yards across a full four quarters and double overtime. One touchdown pass. He was sacked four times. The only four times that he logged a rush for negative 22 yards. When the only four times you carry the football are sacks, that shows the one-dimensional side of Blake Shapin's game, which I stand by that too. He's not an electric runner and BYU showed you don't have to respect Blake Shapin's legs. If the pocket breaks down, he can't run. There were no designed runs for Shapin on Saturday either. So that's almost like Baylor's proving the point that Blake Shapin's legs just aren't that great. And in all, he missed a bunch of guys. He Even when he would complete passes, they were a little too far out, a, a little too high. And to me, a lot of this is warranted. The people who are who are concerned with Blake Shapin and his play on Saturday and whether he's the answer for Baylor, I get it's dramatic. And I get that that can sound really rash coming just one game, you know, coming from just one bad game for Shapin. But I understand after seeing what happened Saturday, why a lot of Baylor fans are asking that question or why a lot are saying making the, the Charlie Brewer comparisons or missing Gary Bohannon. I, I think those are all in all irrational. But again, I at least have a, a sense of, OK, I, I understand where you're coming from and trying to make those points about Blake Shapin. Is he the answer for Baylor football is is the question that I pose. And part of me wants to say that, that that's still a question mark. Uh, another part of that, too, you'll hear from Dave Aranda later in this show and what he said in yesterday's press conference. But when he was asked about the passing game, Darby Brown tweeted this out. He talked about how there wasn't a lot of confidence in it on Saturday and how there wasn't a lot of confidence in the throwing, in the receivers, in the offensive line. They just didn't feel comfortable throwing the ball. When a team doesn't feel comfortable throwing the football with a quarterback whose very best attribute is throwing the football, that is probably an issue. They didn't throw, like, Shapin goes five for five on a second half possession where Baylor scores a touchdown. Maybe it was a, he goes five for five, scores a touchdown on one of these possessions, and they throw the ball four times the rest of the game. Obviously, even when things were like at a bright spot, like five for five is good on a, on a single possession for Shapin. And then after that, you only throw the ball four more times in the rest of the game. It's like, okay, 
that is that that's says that even when things are kind of working, you're still not that confident. There are are things to point. I mean, Aranda said it in the press conference. The atmosphere got to guys that a lot of the young guys had really big eyes at Lavelle Edwards Stadium and that they just didn't know how to handle. Aranda said that they had been trying since January to get this thing down by pumping in crowd noise into practices and and really getting the guys acclimated to what it would be like in an environment like this. And they'd already seen the Big 12 championship and games at Kansas State or at Oklahoma State. But they walked in on Saturday and very early on in the huddle, just big eyes and guys that didn't look like they were ready for that level of play. And even even Shapin had remarked to somebody else. I heard from a source this morning who said that Shapin came out and really just couldn't hear that. He remarked to some guys after the game, how are you supposed to go into an environment like that where at any given moment at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, Shapin? just here any play calls on the sidelines he couldn't bark orders to his guys the line couldn't hear you had four or five false starts too where the atmosphere had gotten so much to him and again I go back to the fact that I've already mentioned if if your your head coach feels as though you can't throw the ball or that there's not confidence in the passing game and your quarterback's one thing he can do is pass that's not good on the, on the flip side too if your quarterback can't hear or they're not prepared for that moment, even if that's not squarely on Blake Shapin, maybe it's on the coaching staff for a lack of preparation. Again, that question is raised and it's not that dramatic. Is Blake Shapin the the answer long-term the rest of this season for the Baylor football program? You can't go back to Gary Bohannon. He's gone, even though he did, he did beat BYU, by the way. Gary Bohannon is, he didn't this year with USF, is gone to South Florida. Now you're with Shapin. And then you have behind him a guy that I have, have raved over over the last couple of years in Kyron Drones, who I still don't think is quite ready. And a lot of that goes into still your conversation of what do you do? What do you do when your quarterback had a game like that? How do you recover? What do you learn this week? And as a fan, how comfortable do you feel when Blake Shapin doesn't He's going to trot out against Texas State on Saturday. You're going to feel fine. How comfortable do you feel when he comes out at 11 a.m. against Iowa State in Ames next week? I've got an answer for that. But first, I'm going to tell you guys about one of our newest sponsors here, Locked On. That is upside from cringing at the pump to getting your check at, at a restaurant. It's just eye-popping inflation. Obviously, it's hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Uh, actually, something for me, even as a as a young person, as a college guy, uh, Upside has been, I, I don't like to budget a lot. Believe it or not, a college guy doesn't budget. Upside has helped me do that, though. Easy app to use. It's, it's like it's too good to be true, honestly, because you get started, you download the app, and you get $5 cash back for every $10 purchase or more. You claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, so you check in at the business, you pay normally with your credit card, your debit card, and then you get paid. Uh, in comparison to credit card rewards or like these loyalty programs, you can earn three times as much cash back with Upside, and Upside users are more than a million dollars uh, earn more than a million dollars total every week. Probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of 10 or more. $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of 10 or more using promo code LOCKED. The answer to is Blake Shapin, the answer is yes. It's squarely yes. The guy did not have a very good game on Saturday. I'm not going to brush that off and try to just skate by it and make a big excuse for him. 
the atmosphere should never be a factor for an elite quarterback. That's a very harsh statement for someone sitting behind a microphone to say. I get that. But look at guys like Bryce Young, who played the national championship last year. The moment, despite them losing, was never too big for him in the playoff, the SEC championship, even the national championship. The moment just can't be too big. There can there can never be something, an atmosphere, a noise level that a quarterback who's at an elite level is not prepared for. Guys go out week in and week out in the SEC, in the Big 12, in the Big 10, in the NFL, who are elite quarterbacks and deal with the craziest environments out there, and they still play through it. They can hear, they can keep a level head. There's not an excuse for why Blake Shapin played that way that can fall on BYU fans. Like, oh yeah, I, I, I played bad because the fans were loud. But I also don't think Blake Shapin's saying that. Heard from another source this morning. Shapin sat in the locker room after most of the guys had already left, headed out to the bus, all the families and the girlfriends and everybody, they're standing outside Lavelle Edwards. And, and we got to see that a bit as the media walking out of David Randa's press conference as the players started to trickle out and meet with their parents. And I remarked to someone, where's Blake Shapin? The source said that Shapin sat in the locker room, fully dressed, head to toe, he's in all of his stuff, just like surrender Cobra, staring into the abyss, sitting on a bench in the locker room, thinking about the game. This is a game that really weighed on a guy who his coaches lost confidence in him. The coaching staff wasn't wrong for that either. He was missing throws. I mean, that last throw of the game where you've got to score a touchdown on fourth down and goal from the 12, you have to. He didn't put it in a in a realm where Seth Jones could even try to catch the ball. you got to give your receiver or, or somebody a shot, and he just overthrew everybody. It was just a bad game from Shapin. But he he didn't shake it off quite like Dave Aranda and the rest of the guys did. And what that, what that shows me is a whole, whole lot of care and respect for this football team and the idea that it started to sink into Blake Shapin that he is the guy. That when push comes to shove, end of the game, when you got to make a play, there's one quarterback. The ball is in your hands and you have to do it. Understand that, yes, Blake Shapin had played in big games in the past before, but there's a very big difference, especially for a younger quarterback, when you are the guy. You are the starting quarterback for a season. When a university literally gave another person, another player, the opportunity to transfer, the starting quarterback, Gary Bohannon, was given the opportunity to transfer so that Blake Shapin could start. They dethroned a Sugar Bowl quarterback for Blake Shapin. So much pressure is now on you. And this season takes a completely different, there's a, a whole new weight that's placed on a guy like Blake Shapin when that is given to you. You know how tough that is to deal with? Again, it's not an excuse, but at some point over the course of the year, he wasn't going to be perfect. The guy, you can't, Rome wasn't built in a day. You can't learn it all in a day. You got to go out and get shellacked. And Aranda said at the postgame press conference, it's not, it's not like Aranda wanted to lose. He didn't want to lose but he was prepared in case this team lost. He said on Saturday, you probably heard it on yesterday's show if you listened, that the coaching staff met midday on Saturday and said, look, what happens if we lose? How do we approach this as a teaching moment, as a learning moment? Even if we don't lose, we don't play that well. What can we do to teach these guys over the course of the game so they can learn for games in the future? Blake Shapin was probably the A1 guy that they'd circled when having that conversation. He's a young quarterback gnashing teeth in the middle of an unbelievable environment. He's going to get kicked in the mouth. How is he going to respond? 
obviously it was too late to respond on Saturday. They didn't give him very many opportunities to throw the ball in the second half at overtime either. And honestly, the passing game wasn't working hardly at all. 18 for 28, 137 yards and a score. There was like one possession where the passing game looked solid. But outside of that, BYU just had everything sniffed out. So I get why they didn't throw the ball. And I get why they weren't as confident in that side of the game. But they also understood that this is where Blake Shapin's going to learn. And that's why, to me, the answer is still yes, that Blake Shapin is that guy. It is so tough for a quarterback to come out and just be perfect every game. And Shapin's pretty much given Baylor that. Look at the Texas or the Albany, Albany result. 17 for 20. It's 85% completion percentage. A couple of touchdowns. Guy had 214 passing yards. There really wasn't much else. We said it on last week's shows over and over again. Blake Shapin was pretty much the brightest spot in that game against Albany. If there was a unit, a person you're looking at and saying, wow. That guy, that group did really well as Blake Shapin just had. He carried himself that way, hit some impeccable throws. The deep ball is back in Waco. Remember what you were saying a week ago? Shapin, even despite the competition, looked so good. And there were guys who, with that level of competition that Albany brought, didn't look good, and Shapin wasn't one of them. Even dating back to last year, Oklahoma State game in the Big 12 championship. Started 17 for 17. Finished 23 for 28, 180 yards and three touchdowns. The guy won Baylor a Big 12 championship game, and he was injured injured so much so that he wouldn't play in a Sugar Bowl a month later, but still played in the second half of that game. The Texas Tech game, 20 for 34, 254 yards and two touchdowns. By the way, has still not thrown an interception in his Baylor career. Kansas State game on the road. That was the most impressive one to me. Comes in in relief of Gary Bohannon, who had gotten hurt. Goes 16 for 21, 137 yards. Didn't log a touchdown, but kept Baylor in that game to eventually win it 20-10. to 10. The defense was so solid. Shapin has given flashes of really, really spectacular stuff as a Bayer. And I don't want to completely erase all of the superlatives that we've given him, all the great things that we've said about him, because one game doesn't erase those. If you, think about this, if you in your life over the last two years have said, Blake Shapin's a really good quarterback, or wow, Shapin's got great zip on the ball, or he's so accurate, or he his deep ball is spectacular. The deep ball's back in Waco. If you've said any of those things, you've thought any of those things, they're still true. One game doesn't flip all of that around and nullify Blake Shapin's ability. You, you can't take what the BYU game was on Saturday and be like, well, that's it. <laughs> Quarterback sucks now. That's not really how it works. It's not how it's going to go for Blake Shapin either. The offensive line is still elite. They still showed a lot of good stuff on Saturday. I thought that of the four sacks that Blake Shapin took, I thought two or three of them, probably three, were on Blake Shapin holding on to the ball too long. That's a learning point. Blake Shapin getting outside the pocket, creating his own space, trying to run the football, and making plays running the football. That's a learning point. Blake Shapin hitting guys in the breadbasket, receivers coming across the middle, trying to tuck it and run instead of hitting them, or at least hitting them where they catch it and aren't immediately blown up. That's a learning point. All of these things are being discussed by Sean Bell, Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateos, Dave Aranda, everybody in film this week. That one game of him playing bad does not make him a bad quarterback down the stretch. He is still the answer. Sean Bell, Dave Aranda, Jeff Grimes, are much better quarterback evaluators than me or you or anybody else out there. They picked Blake Shapin over Gary Bohannon because the ceiling that he has. The game against BYU on Saturday does not change that. I can sit here and keep saying that he had a bad game 
and I probably will because it is objectively true. But I can also tell you that he was devastated after this loss from everything that I've heard and that there is only one gear Blake Shapin has had at Baylor, and that is get things done. At no point has this guy rolled over. He won Baylor a Big 12 championship against Oklahoma State. Again, hurt to the point he wouldn't play a month later in the Sugar Bowl. There is not a part of Blake Shapin that will not use Saturday as a learning point that makes him exponentially better. He's still the guy. His deep ball is still really good. He's still wildly accurate. He might go out against Texas State and throw four touchdowns and 350 yards. It's quite possible. Baylor's got a whole lot of pent-up stuff that they've got to get out on Saturday, and he's going to be a square part of that. So before you get all down and out and start calling for Kyron Drones to get in there and be the next quarterback, or Luke Anthony from Louisiana Tech to get in there and be the guy next week, just know that Blake Shapin still has it. He is still the answer for Baylor. He still has a ceiling that is Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year caliber. Even if it's not this year, his ceiling in the next year or two at Baylor is to be that guy for this team. He just needed Saturday. He needed Saturday. That's a slap in the face. You take in stride and get a whole lot better for it. And thank God it happened on Saturday and not in week 13 against Texas when both teams are playing their last game of the season with who knows what on the line. Now, Dave Aranda had one of the more intriguing press conferences I've ever heard on Monday. Um, There were pretty much only questions about BYU. Only one person, shout out Jack Allen, KXXV, asked about Texas State this week. So it's just Dave going on for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes of the loss at BYU and everything that was done wrong. Uh, Reporters also... I'll be honest with you. There are a lot of Baylor reporters, myself included, who are pretty easy. Like we, we, it's a Baptist school, really tight knit family. So we try to not tiptoe around questions, but Dave Aranda seldom, I, I bet when, now that you think about it, he seldom gets these like staunch, like, you know, coach, why did this happen? Or why did that happen? Or he very seldom gets these pressing questions. He did. He got some of those on Monday and he took them in absolute stride. And instead of his, instead of giving coach speak, he gave very honest answers. So I've clipped down the best six, seven, eight minutes of Aranda's press conference and everything he said on Monday so you get a glimpse into what this team's going through and battling the rest of this week after the loss to BYU. Coach, take it away. It's good to see you guys. Um, you know, good to be back in Waco. So just the the review of the game was, um, was humbling, but, you know, at the same time, just a great learning experience, a lot to... Uh, lot to be improved upon I think always coming into those situations just real honest um, about what your motivations are getting into a problem you know um, not bringing your ego into it and uh, kind of you know how hard is it to have an honest conversation I think those are things that um, are really the task within the task for us in terms of where everything's at, you know, staff to staff, uh, staff to players, players to staff. And so we're really looking at that as an opportunity to uh, bring this team closer and to uh, to grow as a team. You know, a lot of uh, um, 
you know, looking back at all, at all of it, a lot of uh, um, praise and recognition to BYU. I thought they they played hard. I thought the environment was uh, was a good one. Um, there was a home field advantage there, and uh, you know, I thought collectively for us, we let the outside affect the inside, and uh, you know, with that though still continuing to battle and to um to bring it into the late stages of the game like we did i think is a uh, a credit to the team and like i said saturday night i think it's it's very difficult um to be in a game where with ups and downs and all of it haven't been in a game where it was you know uh two field goals from however many yards out were were missed um and so, you know, to be in a game where we're still kind of battling and all of that takes a lot to um, to get to that point. And so it's one thing to be at that prior to a loss. It's another to address, you know, the shortcomings and um, the issues and to get better as a team, but then still bring that belief and still grow that belief or that connection or that, you know. Um, and so that's the... Yeah, that's the challenge that we got. Uh, with that, take any questions you guys have. Dave, after the game, you mentioned the discipline issue as far as the penalties and all that. Uh, in practice, uh, game, uh, film sessions this week, how do you reinforce improving that? No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think we're 126th, if I'm not mistaken, and there's 130 teams, you know, and so it's – it's funny that last year's BYU game we had no penalties, you know. But that was after, I think, being 126 again. You know, I was just talking with one of our academic people and about uh, sophomore now that uh, that uh, was a freshman last year, and uh, he's playing now and and um, you know in ro- in the rotation and everything. And he was he commented. Um, and our academic person was in the room when he was commenting to another younger person and was saying, you know, well, I wasn't playing last year and I'd be in meetings and I wouldn't really pay attention because it wasn't anything to do with me. And um, as unfortunate as that is, that makes a lot of sense. I think human nature is that way, right? It is always kind of me first, you know, me over everything. (laughs) Please, let's talk about me. Can I get a little bit more me? And, uh, and I think especially from a young person perspective makes a lot of sense. But I think it also adds to the, um, you know, the circumstances that we're in now because we're kind of doing it all over again, you know, of uh, learning, you know, the rules of the game, so to speak. And so, um, I mean, we talk about penalties every day and we show examples and, and all of it. And, you know, I think um, – we're just going to have to double down on that. And then I think it really gets to a part, I think, really, to be honest, where we have to build a wake-up. And, um, you know, that when we're talking about it, we're talking about it to you, you know. And so I think I think sometimes that learning, um, unfortunately, has takes hard lessons to learn that. And um, we're not at the point yet to where it does not. And so... Still, something to aspire to there. With a third of those penalties being false starts, you feel like the team was adequately prepared for that atmosphere. Or is there no way to simulate that? 
It's a good question. You know, we, um, you know, we would have um, from the very beginning of camp a, uh, a, um, um, you know, a cadence that was really kind of um, designed for that environment, um, and we would have, you know, sound and practice sessions and noise and all of it, and and um, you know, I just think. I think that um, I can remember being in the huddle of our offense on the sideline. I can remember being on the sideline, the huddle of our teams, special teams, and then uh, the huddle of our uh, defense, and just seeing real big eyes, you know. And so anytime you see the big eyes, that generally tells the story. That's the the forewarning of those things. And so... um, yeah, I mean, we we could have done it more. I think the things that uh, that really have to transpire is um, that you know they're enough, and that they're there, um, you know, to play in those environments and to really succeed in those environments is part of it. And so, uh, I think moving forward, we'll be better equipped. I think it probably takes the real thing to get the message all the way across. Dave, uh, guys rushed the ball 52 times against yep. BYU, which I looked it up. It was most for Baylor since 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that's a lot of times in a game. Mm-hmm. Going into the game, was that the game plan? Was that trying to create an identity? Mm-hmm. Or was that just sort of based on what BYU was sh- showing you guys? Yeah, I appreciate the question. I think it probably was a, a bit of everything you said there. Um, you know, I think there there was some um some uncertainty and some um 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 you know some timidness in the throw game both on the the throwing and the receiving and the blocking part of it and so um i think while that was being addressed and coached and i'm sure guys were you know um learning and trying to apply as the game went on i just think that um you know it's hard to explain i think when you're in it you just have a feeling that yeah i'm saying it and they're nodding their head but we ain't getting it man (laughs) we ain't getting it so that was the feeling and i just it felt you know that the run game uh, was there and you know it's kind of i think it really boils down to this that's where the experience is that's where the guys have been in those environments before, and those are the guys that have kind of played through all of that. And you know, we talked about the freshmen that became a sophomore that really never listened and never applied. Those guys have been in it and have applied, and so you're really kind of leaning on them. I don't think that was the the decision in the moment was that, but it just felt that way. And um, you know, I think a couple of the runs that were five or six, you know, um, possibly could have been more, and. Uh, we kept trying to find that that one big run to kind of propel us to the other side of it and never quite got there. Dave, when you look at the film, was their coverage in the back end just that good? I mean, I think your longest pass play was 19 yards, and, and mm-hmm. it seemed like the sacks were coverage sacks. Mm-hmm. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I would agree, you know, I th- um, with, the, with the sacks. You know, I think we got to do a better job of, of getting rid of it. A lot of them were out, out of the pocket. 
sex, you know. And so I think um, I think that's that is that has been talked about and recognized, and you know we're going to have to apply that, you know, moving forward. But I think the the um, you know the routes and the discipline to the details of the routes and you know um, the speed in which we're running the routes and uh, and all of it is a lot of room for improvement you know I think from where we were game one in terms of that environment and the execution to where we were game two in this particular environment and how that affected the execution is um, something that we have to clearly see and agree on so that we can move forward and talk about real stuff and so um, you know I think it's a it's a very very talented group and it's a and it's a group that wants to establish itself and and do well and kind of be you know everyone in there wants to be that guy and I want I want that so desperately for them um, but uh, you know this is all part of it and so you know, we talked about prior to the game about just saying yes to things, even the things that are are um, embarrassing or hurtful or, uh, you know, I think if you say yes to it, really what you're doing is you're getting your ego out of it so you can really see the, you're taking the emotion out of it so you can see the realness in it. And like I say, very hard to do. And um, I think, you know, that room in particular um, you know, there's other rooms too, but they have to do that. And so we're, we're aiming to get that done. Thanks to Dave Aranda and Baylor Athletics for that file video. Look, you, he, he took responsibility. The team took responsibility for everything that happened on Saturday. For that, I, there was no excuse. Credit to BYU, credit to their fans, credit to the atmosphere, credit to everything. But my gosh. This week's going to be big. <laughs> that happening when it happened, you can tell by what Dave Aranda has said. They learned a, a lot already, and it's only Tuesday today. This team's going to come out with a different vengeance and a lot more experience. They are. Somebody texted me yesterday like, yeah, they basically played two games on Saturday with as physical as that was. No kidding. They did, and they're going to they're gonna feel, they're going to reap. They're going to sow what's been reaped in that for the weeks to come. A whole lot of experience that is gained just from that loss. Come back tomorrow. We'll be talking a lot still about BYU, Blake Shape, and everything. Texas State's a game, um, but there's just a lot to dissect from Baylor's game against BYU on Saturday. And where's the team's upside? Where's the team's ceiling? What can Baylor do from here? Well, those questions will be answered not not against Texas State, but against Iowa State here in, here in a week or so. Because there's still a team could go 11 and one. They could go 10 and two. They could go seven and five if the bottom falls out in this team. I mean, if they play like they did against BYU on Saturday, 14 penalties, seven and five is not even that. It's not clickbait. That's real. Come back tomorrow. We'll break it all down. This has been Always Will Be. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Even our BYU fans have tagged along this week. Subscribe on YouTube because that's always fun. Locked on Baylor.